Mrs. Mike, and one of the pastors here at Victory, and I am going to dismiss the kids for their class. How are y'all this morning? You are the official post-Easter crowd. Come on, right? That's good stuff right there. Did y'all have a good weekend last weekend with Easter? I tell you, I, I walked away from last Easter. Honestly, just we've had a lot of good Easters. But last week, I walked away thinking, you know what, Lord? That was just pure. It was powerful. It was so good to honor and worship you. Just a, I don't know, a good day. And if you felt differently, don't tell me, because I'm like still riding a high, thinking, man, it was just such a good day, so don't ruin my, my thing, okay? Um, I want to share with you next week, after second service, we're going to have our Discover class, and uh, it's a great opportunity for you. If you haven't um, gone through Discover, it's a class where Elizabeth and I will sit down with you, we'll talk to you about uh, the church, things we believe, talk to you about the mission of the church. We'll even do some things where we'll talk about your gifts and callings and things that God has put in your life. And uh, it's just a great atmosphere. You can ask questions about the church, but it's a great way to like just take a next step towards like, all right, I just kind of want to get more involved and just go for it and, and um, connect with the things that are going on in church life. Um, it's not a there's no pressure to it. It's just one of those things, come and learn and grow. It's going to be after second service next week. We always have lunch together. We wrap up around 3 o'clock or so, and it's a lot of fun. I just want to encourage you to come out. The only reason you need to register is if you need child care. Otherwise, you can just show up, put your plate out, and we're going to fill it, and then we're going to have a good time. Sound good? And that's after when? Second service next week. That's right. Very good. All right, are you all ready for the Bible this morning? Very good. All right, I'm going to open up, and Ethan, you've got your podcast rolling and all of that. Good. Um, I'm going to open up this morning with Ephesians 2, verse 8, and then we're going to pray. Ephesians 2, 8 says this, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. It's not from yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Let's pray. God, we love you, and we honor you. And we thank you for this great day that you've given us. And we just put our hearts before you. We thank you for your ability to speak to us. And that's what we're trusting for you to do right now. Would you speak to our hearts and minds by your word? We thank you for your word and the power of it. And we just ask you, Lord, let it produce great fruit in us. We love you. We're honored to serve you and to follow you. Let us learn and grow as we hear your word today. I pray for the empowerment and the leading of your Holy Spirit to share God. What you, is in your heart today. It's a privilege, and I thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, I want to talk to you about a challenge that most Christians face. Um, it's easy to go through times in our life and in our walk with the Lord where we're very aware and feel our own inadequacies, where we can look at ourselves and go, you know what, I just don't measure up. And uh, I'm pretty sure that if I were to get the honest read from the Lord, he's probably disappointed in me. And maybe we don't verbalize it, maybe we don't articulate it, but we kind of have that sense in our own hearts that I'm pretty sure God's not pleased, I'm not pleased, and we can walk around with a heaviness and a weight and oftentimes respond to it uh, in unhealthy ways. And so to address this from the Bible this morning, I want to talk to you, do some Bible teaching 
And then I'll do some Bible preaching. How's that sound this morning? All right. So first, some Bible teaching. Let's look at Ephesians 2, 8 again. And then we're going to look at Galatians 2. And that's going to be, they'll both be on the screen. Ephesians 2, 8 says this. For it is by grace that you have been saved. Would you say the word grace? We're going to talk about that word in a few minutes. For it is by grace. It's not talking about grace, Nicholas. I know some of y'all are thinking, wow, I didn't know grace. No, different grace. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. Would you say the word faith? Faith. It is not of yourself, but it is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Galatians 2.16 says this. A person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ, not by works of the law, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. I want to talk to you about some biblical terms this morning. First thing I want to talk about is what's called a biblical covenant. Covenant is a, is a fancy word that's talking about a contract. A biblical covenant is where God makes a contract with mankind. And he says, listen, this is how I'm going to interact with you. And in a biblical covenant, God sets the parameters of how he will interact with mankind and says, you know, okay, this is how it's going to work. The difference with a a biblical covenant and other kind of contracts is God writes up the whole thing, right? There's no like negotiating, of, you know, what you want in the contract. God just says, here's how it's going to work. This is how we're going to relate any questions, right? Now, there have been different covenants over time. Different covenants are ways in which God is related to mankind and promises that he's made to mankind. One of them in the Old Testament was the covenant of the law. It's not the only one in the Old Testament. It was a portion of the Old Testament. And in the covenant of the law, it's the one he gave to Moses. God gave very specific rules of how to live and how to worship him. And um, unfortunately, one of the things that people learned as they were trying to live and worship and obey all the stipulations of the law, and it's all in your scripture. As a matter of fact, Leviticus, I mean, if, you're self, if you need some sleep and you just want to, I'm just kidding, I'm mostly kidding. But Leviticus is one of those books you begin reading, you're like, what's going on here? I always tell people when they get a Bible for the first time, don't start at the beginning. Start in the middle at the New Testament. Because if you start at the beginning, you're going to start sacrificing animals by Leviticus. And then you're going to get later and you're going to realize, oh, Jesus is, oh, I don't need to. Oh, my poor puppy. No, just kidding. Um, Just playing. I'm just playing. Anyhow, a little too much, a little too fast. I'll slow up. I'll slow up. One of the things that people learned in the covenant of the law was with these rules and stipulations, as they tried to obey them and do them, it really didn't matter how good a person you were, how earnest a person you were, or how hard you worked. No one could keep it all the way. No one could do it in their own strength. And he almost makes you wonder, it's like, well, God, why would you give people rules and then they can't? They can't pass the test. They can't finish them all because, you know, it's like almost seems like that would be rude or, you know, wrong of God to give people something they can't do. But actually, it was the lesson that God wanted them to learn. He wanted them to learn in that time period that no matter how hard you try, no matter how earnest you are, you can't be good enough to pass the test. 
And what's gracious about God is that while he interacted with them on the basis of the law, he judged them, if you will, as far as finality, by just whether or not they had trust and faith in him as they interacted with him. Because the law pointed to, what's the answer all the time in church? Jesus. It always pointed to Jesus. And, the, and what the, the covenant of the law provided, the scripture says it was a guardian. You know, almost, it uses that word, guardian. It, it kind of was like there to kind of watch over things until Jesus got there. And it showed us the need for a better covenant. And Jesus brought us this better covenant. The way that he did it was that when he went to the cross, and when he, we talked about this last week, took the sin of the world upon him and paid the price for us, he introduced a new covenant, one that he established, and we call that new covenant a covenant of grace that he paid for with a great, great price. This phrase, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. Our faith is in Jesus, and he gives us this grace. I want to talk to you about that word grace. Grace, the kind of classic definition, is unmerited favor. It is this gift from God that you cannot earn. Otherwise, it's not a gift. Remember once we had a free car wash? It was... uh, and we were washing people's cars, and this guy, this person walks up to me, and he goes, hey, here's a 20 for the youth group, you know, take this. And I'm like, no, 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 it's a free car wash. He goes, no, I know, I know, but it's a fundraiser. I'm sure you guys got things you got to do. And I'm like, no, it's a free car wash. He says, you got to take it. I said, you can't take it, or it's not a free car wash. <laughs> like, All right, man, I got you. Slow your roll. Grace is this gift from God. You can't pay for it. You can't earn it. You can't reimburse for it. It's a gift from God. And there's the thing about grace is it's one of those words that it it doesn't just have a technical meaning. There is a um, there's a field of grace. Uh, There's both a substance and a heart attitude to grace. The heart attitude of grace is it's goodwill. It's it's benevolence that finds expression in generosity, love that commands action but which is absolutely free. The substance of grace is any gift, present, pardon, or concession that is granted freely. If you're charging for it, it ain't grace. If you paid for it, it ain't grace. The thing we find in this new covenant is that it is a superior covenant. What's cool is that the old covenant, or excuse me, I should say the covenant of the law, Jesus actually fulfilled all the requirements because he is righteous and he is good. And so he fulfilled that and said, this, this was there as a guardian. And okay, now we're going we're gonna to shut this down and we are going to have a new covenant by which people can interact with me. A better covenant. The problem arises when you try to operate both covenants at the same time. It's kind of like, some of y'all are Android people. Some of y'all are iPhone people. We won't have that fight right now. But you know who you get blue text from and who you don't. Um, <laughs> little inside joke there. If you don't know what I mean, you're an Android person. All right. Um, <laughs> so when you try to use both at the same time, can you imagine trying to run both on, on your phone at the same time? You'd be like, I, I don't know what's up and what's down. Um, 
I said in first service, it's like trying to put a Chevy transmission in a Ford motor. And the guys let me know that they've been doing that for years. I had no idea. It was a great analogy until I got the facts. So I'm not... I'm not mechanical enough to come up with another one, but you know it was in my heart. This same problem of trying to run both occurred in the early church. where And you read about this in books like Galatians and Ephesians. And what happened was non-Jewish people, which the, the Bible calls Gentiles, it's anyone who's not Jewish, a Gentile, were getting saved. They were accepting Jesus and they were experiencing what it was to be born again. They were experiencing what it was to have new life in Christ. And they were just so excited. And they were shoulder to shoulder with people who were Jewish believers. They grew up Jewish and they grew up practicing the law and they accepted Jesus and said, yes, Jesus is the fulfillment. But what happened is over time, some of the Jewish believers, and I I don't know that it was insincere, they, they began to look at the The Gentiles, the non-Jewish people who also were following Jesus and saying, you know what? This is all good. We're we're excited that you're excited about Jesus. By the way, Jesus was Jewish. Don't forget about it, right? And they're like, we're so excited, right? But maybe you should have all your males circumcised. Maybe you should do add this to what you're doing. Maybe you should... Because they had been practicing this covenant for so long, they had been practicing this principle for so long, that they thought maybe we should run Android and iPhone. Like Maybe we should kind of do some both. And here's the thing. There's, there's, a, there's a difference between making a suggestion like, hey, maybe we should make sure our kids don't have too much screen time, right? But versus maybe we should do this to feel more secure in our faith. And that's what was happening. They were doing to feel more secure in who they were following. And that is the problem. It's, it's like two flavors that don't really go together. I remember once I was in Central Asia, and I had this bowl this size, and it was a family, like you sat around on the floor, and you were all supposed to eat it with your hands. Thank the Lord they gave me a spoon. It was, I want you to imagine this, it was soggy bread in Sour cream, big old bowl of it. Now, I am not a sour cream person, nor am I a soggy texture person. So it was like that moment where I was like, oh, Jesus. I thought I would suffer for you someday in my life, but I never thought it'd be like this. You know, it was just like I ate about two tablespoons of it. I'm like, I'm good. You know, just kind of holding on. But that's the challenge. Sometimes you, you, you layer things together that are not meant together. And it, it just doesn't work. See, so this happens in our lives just like it happened to them. Where you receive this gift of salvation. And if I were to go around this room, I'll bet you there isn't one person in here who would claim that they accepted Jesus. And the way they did it is because they were so good. Or the way that they did it was they decided, you know what, I'm going to earn this thing. I'm just going to make myself a really good person and he's going to accept me. I think all of us in the room who accepted Jesus in our heart, actually it was very different. It was, I can't save myself. He is good. And I believe this message that he will forgive me. And so I'm going to receive this gift of salvation that I didn't earn. Right? But a lot of times... 
we can subtly fall into performance after we've received grace. And the reason is, is because we think, maybe, maybe I should. We begin to bolt on some things. I remember when I first accepted Christ, it was, a lot of you all know my story. I was an atheist, and right before I was going to graduate high school after a journey that I'll tell you about another time, I, 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 just, I accepted Christ into my life, knowing that he was real and a completely new person. And I was as excited as you could be about being a Christian. And I, I went off to Bible college, and I'm like, man, I'm, I'm just going to follow Jesus and see where this takes me, and I'm going to go to Bible college. And I was so excited, and then I began to work at it. And I began to do things because I wanted to be even better. You know what I'm talking about? I, was, I began to do things because I wanted to be more acceptable. I began to do things because I wanted to, I wanted to uh, be as good as I can and try hard. And, and then if, if I didn't do as well as I expected, I was pretty convinced that he was disappointed in me. And it began this cycle where it's try harder And then you inevitably fall short and you feel contrite and ashamed. And so you try even harder. And what I first received as a gift, now I found myself working for it. And it wasn't quite that direct of a line. I didn't think of it that way, but I was operating that way. I was working hard at it. Trying hard about at it. It's interesting. In Galatians 3 verse 2 it says this. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the spirit. Talking about the Holy Spirit. By works of the law. Or by believing what you heard. The thing about this gift of salvation. Is that it really is just that. It's a gift. You didn't earn it. You won't earn it. You could never earn it. All you can do is receive it. You receive it as a gift from God. And I don't think we ever set out to try hard to earn something. But sometimes we find ourselves doing that when we didn't necessarily go to do that. There's some reasons why we typically perform for God. One of the reasons we'll perform for God is we can be insecure ourselves. We see our shortcomings and we want to compensate for our shortcomings by working harder. Because, you know, reality is, you know, here we are in the Western world in America and there's this, there's this principle, if you work hard, there is reward, isn't there? But sometimes you can transpose a a principle that's absolutely true but doesn't translate into that area of your spiritual life. Working harder doesn't make Jesus love you more. It doesn't cover your insecurities and your failings because the reality is he loved you long before you became who you are right now. He loved you first. You were already unlovable. But now when we become unlovable, and we think of our unlovableness, we think, oh, no, he must. He loved you before you were ever, quote, unquote, lovable, right? Because you are his creation. And he, he sees the image of God in you. and He wants to draw out that image of God that's inside of you. Another reason why we will perform 
is the need for affirmation. I need God to be happy with me, and I need him to be, um, for me to be happy. Because if I don't know that he's happy, I can't be happy. And so if I work hard at this, I can become more, more convinced that he's happy with me. And it's actually just a wrong way of thinking. Because he already is delighted in you. He already is happy for you and loves you. And the challenge is this. We have to believe what he's already saying. Another reason is the fear of rejection. And and I know this is really common. And and if these are your insecurities, I'm not beating up on you this morning because it's a very normal thing. But a lot of us have a fear of rejection with God. We're pretty convinced that he's already mad at us. We're pretty convinced that, you know, he's pretty disappointed. When you had that thought, when, you know, you thought, you know what, maybe my boss will run into the side of a truck this morning. Or, you know, maybe, I know y'all are much better people and you never think like that. Right? Somebody cuts you off in traffic. You're just thinking, oh, bless you. I hope you get where you're going. Right? You're, you're, but there are people. That when we look at our hearts and we look at our attitudes, we're so frustrated with ourselves, we're convinced that God will, wants to reject us as well. But here's another reason is pride. Sometimes we actually are in competition and we want to be better than the person next to us. So we think, if I can, if I can do better, then Jesus will be even more happy with me. Oh, that's just not the truth. The reality is he loves you more than you already know. And what he wants you to do is he wants you to know the love that he has for you that's greater than you already know. You don't have to perform for it. You have to seek him to understand it and to receive it into your life. The thing is, these thoughts come into our lives. And what will happen is we as performers will sometimes think, well, maybe if I start doing this, it can compensate for that. And that's actually not how it works. With that insecurity, with that fear of rejection, with that need for affirmation, the reality is God wants to go to the heart of that matter and heal it. He doesn't want you to perform your way out of it. You hear that this morning? He wants to go to the heart of that need for affirmation, the heart of that, that insecurity, the heart of that fear of rejection. And rather than you perform your way out of it, he wants to go to it and heal it. And the way that he's going to go to that place and heal it, is you have to become secure in what you have already received. Now, I'm not done, but I, I want to put a little caveat. Next week, we're going to talk about obedience. But this is the setup for obedience. Uh, and how we talk about obedience in the word of God. Because if you don't get the performance thing right and understand that your performance is not saving you, it is faith in Christ that is, that is saving you. Okay, you have to get this right before you can get the next part right. And the, the problem with performance is this. It's never good enough. Can I hear an amen? Your performance is never good enough because when you are trying to perform, you take your eyes off of Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of your faith. And you begin to put your eyes on yourself. And it's like the covenant of the law. I'm going to do these things so that God will be pleased with me. And you find that you are not sufficient in yourself 
to make that happen. It actually says in Scripture, if that would have worked, Jesus would not have come and we wouldn't have needed it. But it doesn't work. And the Lord wanted us to be able to see that's not going to work. And so we have this other scripture, and I want to share with you, but I need my little handkerchief. I'm not going to cry. Well, I might, but, you know, it's not my Oprah moment, but I'm going to need this. Romans 3.21 says this, But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ. To all who believe there's no difference between Jew and Gentile for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Now, that word righteous means what you think it means. A person in right standing, a good person does right things, right? And what it's saying is there there is a righteousness that's apart from the law. In other words, there's a way of receiving righteousness or being righteous that is different than this covenant of the law or obeying the law, which they've already unpacked and said, you can't get there, right? right? This righteousness is given through faith. Now, I want you to understand something. This does not make sense. This does not make sense in our logic in the way that we think. Because what this is saying is that if I trust Jesus and I have faith in Jesus, I receive righteousness. We think I got to do righteousness to be righteous, right? But that's not what this says. This says there's a righteousness that comes freely by faith. And then it goes a little deeper than that. It says that you are justified by faith. And justified, when you look at the original language... It's the verb form of righteous, which means this. You are made righteous by faith, which faith is trust, right? You are made righteous by trusting Jesus. And this is what it's like, this righteousness of Jesus. You trust Jesus, and he takes his righteousness. Now, I don't know about you, but Jesus is really righteous, right? Come on. Y'all allowed to talk back. This is a Holy Spirit church. You're allowed to... Okay. He takes his righteousness and he puts it on your life. And here's the thing you didn't earn it, you received it. And what happens, and what I've been describing today, is we get so excited about this new life, and you go, feel different and I think different and the sky is bluer and I'm so excited about God and I sense his Holy Spirit in me and he's made, I feel clean and I feel free. And then when we recognize our own failings, we go, "Uh oh, I know what's under the cover there. I've looked under the hood and I know what's going on. And so we begin to go, I got to fix this. I got to do better. I got to do some things to make up for some failings. You know, I've got a cylinder that's not hitting. And so I got to I got to do some other things to make up for it. And that's not how it works. That's right. It's not how it works, because the righteousness apart from the law is a righteousness that we receive from him. It's like Jesus takes his own righteousness and the theological fancy word you can use this is impugned. He takes his righteousness and It's not actually a bad word. It sounds like something smelly. It's not. He impugns or he puts his righteousness on your life. And you don't deserve it. You didn't earn it. 
You can't deserve it. You can't earn it. All you do is receive it by faith. Now, what it makes you want to do is it makes you want to be a better person. It makes you want to follow God and please God and all those kind of things. But you can't improve upon this kind of righteousness. You can't make it better. Now, there's another word called sanctification. What sanctification is, is it takes the goodness of Jesus that's on your life, and sanctification works it into your life. And he transforms you on the inside. And that is the normal operating procedure. The challenge is, in that process of him making us better on the inside, how he's already made us by putting his righteousness on us, is we sometimes go, man, I see these failings that I need to do to make up for or to improve upon. And really what we need to do is follow Christ and let him work it in us. Again, next week, we're talking about obedience and how that works. But I'm telling you, you got to get this part before you can do the obedience thing well. Because otherwise, if you get these things mixed around, then what happens is the obedience actually becomes legalism. And there's a big difference. All right? And so this idea that Jesus makes us righteous and he puts his righteousness on us is a revelation from scripture the book of romans uh, lays this out and basically says this didn't work and this didn't work and this didn't work and this didn't work and so we needed jesus and his righteousness for our lives it's really a beautiful thing and here's how it impacts your your day-to-day When you wake up in the morning, you know, I already am loved. He already does affirm me. He already does value me. I don't have to go out and earn it. I don't have to go out and make sure that he made a that that his desire to love me was a good choice and that I now need to pony up for it and perform well enough for it. It doesn't work like that. As a matter of fact, my life becomes a and Pastor Chris uses this phrase a lot, right? A response to what he's already done in my life. There's a difference between a response and a now I need to pay you back. And now I need to earn it. It's so subtle in our mind, but it has all the difference in the world with our own security in him. So what do you do with your failure? What do you do with all that stuff that's underneath the, the hood that you know is under there? Well, you run to Jesus with it. We never run away from him, but we always run it, run to him with those things. But we have to run to him knowing he already cares and he already loves and he has a way forward. Sometimes what we do is instead of running to him, we go, I need to take care of this. And so I'm going to. It's the wrong start to the sentence. It's not you who's going to. You, what you have to do is bring it to him and let him work inside of you. I'm telling you, this principle will set you free in your walk with Jesus. As a matter of fact, it's so freeing. Scripture, there's a couple times the scripture goes, don't use your freedom to sin. Because it's so freeing to realize, oh, I'm not performing for my salvation. I, by faith, am receiving it, and then that is transforming me. 
It is such a difference in the way that you walk with Christ. And if you get that revelation, it will cause you to love him more. It will cause you to to want to run to him more because he loves you so much. Now, I just want to encourage you this morning. Where is the grace quotient in your own life? Are you treating yourself like he treats you? Are you looking at yourself the way that he... Now, I'm not telling, saying, oh, ignore sin and don't care about sin and don't care about things. No, 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 no. But I'm saying that when there are things in your life, run to him, not away from him. Run to him because the reality is your relationship with him, that Holy Spirit in your life and all those faculties that he brings in your life with his new life, they, became, they came into your life because of his righteousness, not because of yours. Can you imagine how difficult this would be if we were all trying to pass a good enough test so that we could receive the Holy Spirit? That's why it says, did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law or did you receive the Holy Spirit by having faith in Jesus? And I don't know about you, but I need the Holy Spirit to do this thing. I need him working in my life. And the way that I receive that is my focus on him and how good he is, not by focusing on me and how I can improve on myself within myself. I want him working under the hood. I want him working inside of me. And so this confidence in his goodness rather than performance in response to my failures. It's a way of walking that will set you free. And it will lighten the load if you're day by day feeling like you don't cut it. And if day by day you're feeling like I'm not good enough. And day by day you're feeling the insecurities of your faith. There's a wrong thinking in there because he loves you. While you were yet a sinner, he died for you. When you were in the depth of darkness in your own life when you didn't care about god when you were running from god when you he loved you then and somehow we sometimes think when we realize our own failures he can't love me now and it's just not the truth and you can't believe that lie because if you believe that lie you will build upon it And you can't build upon it because it won't work. Will you stand with me this morning? You're going to enjoy next week because next week when we talk about obedience, um, I'm going to show you some things in Scripture. I promise I'm not going to make anything up because I don't think that works. I'll show you some things in Scripture that will unlock how obedience works in your life and give you a way of thinking about obedience that is life-giving and actually works in our lives. But right now, I want to pray with you, and I want to pray about this, this grace quotient, this unmerited favor, this gift of God over your life. And this morning, if there's an area in your life where you are performing, and here's the thing, it could be a good thing. But you're doing it out of a desire to perform rather than out of a response to his love. I just want to encourage you this morning. Will you lay that thing down? Maybe you need to do it, but do it differently. Or maybe the thing you're doing, you need to stop doing altogether. But the idea of performing 
to be more secure, the idea of performing so that his love will be greater in your life. It's just not the truth. And he doesn't save you because of your goodness. He saves you because of his goodness. Father, this morning, any area of insecurity, any area where, Lord Jesus, we're walking at condemnation and shame and, and trying to make up for it on our own, in, in our own work. Lord, this morning, we just bring those things to you and we lay them down. We don't lay them down as like a license to sin. We lay them down because our works are not what justifies us, what makes us righteous people. Lord, it's your goodness in our lives, working in our lives. And so this morning, we just confess, we cannot improve upon your righteousness, Jesus. We can't make it any better than it already is. And yes, Lord, we desire your righteousness inside our lives. But today, Lord God, we ask, would you help us to walk in that in a way that is life-giving, where we're not earning, but we're receiving and being transformed into your likeness and into your image. Lord, I pray for those who have a yoke of shame this morning. In Jesus' name, let it be broken right now. Shame be broken in the name of Jesus. I pray, Father, for those, Lord, who they're working to make you happy. Help them to just release that right now. And know, God, how much you already love them, how much you already care. To delight in us. And we will delight in you. Lord, I thank you for the freedom, Lord, that your grace brings in our lives. We worship you. Your word says, he who the Son sets free is free indeed. We thank you for it. We worship you for it. We honor you today. It's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, this morning, if you're in a place where you go, you know what? I could use some more prayer for that. I feel like God's working something. I just want to encourage you, don't leave here without getting some prayer and having somebody um, talk with you this morning. Because you need to walk out of this place with the freedom that God intends for you to walk out. Amen. Amen. Be blessed this morning. If you need prayer for anything else, make sure you get it. Neighbor or slipping up here because God answers prayer. Amen. Amen. Amen.